0: Welcome to the inaugural season of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. And now, here's Ben and Darren.
1: hey everybody out in podcast land welcome back it is week three of the college football season and i hope that you're having as much fun as i am along with my co-host darren shavers darren how you feeling after week two
0: week two was a beautiful beautiful week in some aspects and we'll get to that in just a little bit but i've had a Compared to to week one, there have been some glorious moments that I can't wait to talk about in week two. That sounds so
1: enticing, glorious moments. I I think I need to sit down for this. (laughs) Well, let's start off with, I don't know if this is one of your glorious moments, but a big shocker that uh, I, I didn't pick, you didn't pick is... Oregon going into Columbus and coming out with a W.
0: That was, uh, you know, we even discussed it and talked about how difficult it would be for Oregon to, to come into the shoe and, and play the game that they needed to play. Uh, but definitely a, a, a big moment for the weekend. If you're an Oregon Ducks fan, obviously you can't help but be excited about that kind of moment. Uh, you know, uh, you come in as number 12 and upset the number three team. Uh, One of the things that really jumped out to me is after uh, this week against Oregon and then the first week against uh, Minnesota, Ohio State is now uh, averaging giving up more than 230 yards on the ground per game. Uh, So that obviously is something that Oregon maybe saw uh, in game film study. And decided to exploit a little bit more, but it'd also be something pretty interesting to keep a watch on throughout the remainder of the season to see if that holds up, because that will that will make for some difficult games for Ohio State, especially down the stretch. Are you seeing some holes in the Buckeyes' defense, or what are you seeing there? Uh, to me, I think one of the big things that stands out, and you can see, uh, you could see a little bit as the game developed with with Oregon, the holes opened uh there the, when the defensive line uh they, they were out of position a lot I, th- I think that would be the best way to say it i think and, and it may even even been just a mental thing on, on on this the guys that were were on the d-line uh you know they were run run on pretty well with with minnesota then you do some corrections but also when you think about uh oregon you think about you know they're going to they're going to line up and they're going to throw it at you, throw it at you, throw it at you, throw it at you, even though they've got a couple of good running backs this year. And, and I think there were a lot of times you could see that the the Ohio State guys were maybe just on their heels a little bit um, are, and, and caught off guard by uh, the amount of, of of running and and. Uh, there was some trapping that went on from the offensive line of Oregon and and I think schematically a lot of that really caught them off guard and put them in wrong positions way upfield when they shouldn't have been losing containment because they were worried about getting to the quarterback and then they, they, you know there were a lot of times that Oregon would just run what 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 can be simply called an outside zone run and they would lose contain so quickly, it would, it would open up holes. Uh, and, and you know, those are the kind of things that, that put you in a position where you're giving up, you know, close to 250 yards a game in rushing.
1: Yeah, and it's fixable. Uh, we're in week two. Yes, this is a bad loss for Ohio State, but uh, I think they have Tulsa this week. They're going to bounce back in the win column. And I, I, I don't think we can eliminate them from – the playoff picture just yet.
0: No, definitely not. And, you know, one of the positive things, like you just said, front with a program like Ohio State, is they have this week to – when they go up against a Tulsa, th- there's, there's not going to be a talent to match up there. You know, Ohio State has the horses to win a game like that. So the coaches have an opportunity to not take Tulsa for granted from a coaching perspective, but really hone in on technique – uh, and, and scheme in addition to your, your game plan. You can really take some time uh, to, to do some of those things and correct those very issues that we're talking about. Most definitely.
1: Let's go on to another upset from Saturday. How about the Arkansas Razorbacks just taking it to the 15th ranked Texas
0: Longhorn? Uh, it, again, a game we discussed. We, we actually agreed. Uh, that that this ha- had the potential to be an upset or would be an upset, but I, I can't I can't necessarily speak for you. But I, I honestly, even though I thought it, they had a chance to win it, that was a score I never saw coming. I, the the amount of uh, run of running that that Arkansas was able to do, uh, how the 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 passing lanes were so open and and they just they exploited everything they possibly could and just uh, I heard someone actually say on a, on a local show today yes the score was forty to twenty one but it was never that close and that's mm-hmm. a description I never saw coming when we talked about this game last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was
1: a it was a very rude welcome given to Texas. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're not officially they haven't started SEC play yet, but Um, I I think it was a it was a reminder just of the quality of football that's found in the SEC.
0: Yes, and and that's that's exactly right. It is a it is going to be or or it was saying to them or or welcoming them to this is a level and it's an argument SEC Big 12 Big 10, you know, Pac-12. But obviously we live in SEC country. This is a level of ball uh, that. Welcome to the show. You know, welcome to the big time. Maybe is another way to say it because that that was that was an incredible show that Arkansas put on. Let's stay with the SEC for just a moment. Texas A and M escapes Colorado. This one really, honestly, caught me off guard on a couple of different levels. Uh, first of all, A uh, and M had such a has had such a good showing, you know, in, in that first week, but also uh, Carl Durrell is the um, head coach of of the Colorado Buffaloes. And at one point, uh, Carl Durrell was the offensive coordinator for uh, Vanderbilt in Derek Mason's first year. And it was one of the most inefficient, most unorganized, most poorly run uh, offensive uh, schemes week in and week out that I have ever seen in college football. Ah, uh, so it surprised me when they hired him as the head coach, and this game surprised me even more that they that they were able to to hang as close with a And M as they did. But uh, you know, a part of that also had to do with the fact that the starting quarterback for a And M got hurt, and I think there were some, definitely some adjustment periods for the for the backup quarterback.
1: Yeah, yeah, and let, let's not overreact when you can get a win on the road, when your team may not play up to its capabilities, that's still a good win. And so I, I really don't think A&M is in as much trouble as some people think. Uh, Yeah. They didn't play as well as they could have. Yes. Their starting quarterback was knocked out of the game, but they pulled out a win against a very motivated Colorado team.
0: And, And they faced that adversity of going on the road Uh, And, and, you know, I I think this year for a lot of, if not all teams, when you go on the road, it's a new level of adversity because you've got a a large portion of your team that has never played a road game with a loud crowd because all last year, the majority of stadiums were empty. So you have the adversity of going on a crowd or going on a road game to a hostile environment, no matter how big or small all of that preparation, all of those things that go into it. And then on top of that, you lose your starting quarterback. I think A&M is, is the type of program with Jimbo Fisher that overcoming those different layers of adversity in the process of, of the, that game uh, and coming out with a win is something that will, will be a builder and, and momentum for them. I don't, I don't think it'll be, like you said, I don't think they're in as much trouble as some people are saying. I, I think it could be a very much a positive for them. And certainly, a veteran coach like Jimbo Fisher will
1: use that uh, to be a building block, and and he will really um, be able to to tailor his messages to his team that
0: this is something we're going to build on, we're going to grow from. Absolutely, I think he's he's the type of personality and the veteran that will that can take that and use use every spin of positive possible from
1: it. Now, a couple of other road teams uh, made some good showings, and let's start with. Holy Toledo, are you kidding? Going into South Bend and losing by three points, and then at the last second, what is going on? Is Notre Dame not playing well? Are they not very
0: good, or is Toledo a lot better than we thought? What do you think? I think Toledo is definitely better than we thought, but I also feel that this this definitely tells us something about Notre Dame. Um, and unfortunately, if you're a Florida State fan, it probably also tells us a little bit about Florida State, too, uh, by proxy. But that's a different conversation. I, I think there were a lot of, of, of mental errors um, that, that took place from, from Notre Dame's perspective. I don't know if it was, I, don't, I won't say that they came in unprepared because I, I, that's not typical of a Brian Kelly team. But I, I think mentally, from a player perspective, there were some things that weren't there. And, and then I think uh, uh, you take that and add, I, I think Toledo came in to bring it to them and had more of a capability to bring it to Notre Dame than Notre Dame anticipated. And all of those things just kind of stacked up to, boy, what, like you said, what a showing for Toledo. I, I think I think one of the things that happened is, is there will be some game film stuff that some other teams will see and probably be able to exploit uh, down the road as, as we get further into the season.
1: Yeah, and Iowa goes on the road to uh, Iowa State and pulls out um, a little bit of a shocker. Uh, Iowa State was ranked higher. Expectations were greater. Um, But you look at this Iowa Hawkeye team and the job that Kirk Ferentz is doing, um, they're 2-0. They basically just blew away Indiana that was ranked 17th at the time in game one. They come out game two. Uh, go to Ames, beat Iowa State, uh, and you're looking at, uh, looking at their schedule here. They, they still got Penn State on the schedule. They got Wisconsin. Um, is, this,
0: is this a team that we need to be paying attention to? I think it's a team that things uh, stack up really well for when you look at their overall schedule. And, and, you know, I think the reality of when you talk about an Iowa and Iowa State game, you're always going to be talking about a physical Uh, Even if there's an aspect, like with Iowa State, of kind of throwing the ball around a little bit, there's still going to be a physical component to it. And and I think Iowa showed just how physical they were. More importantly, I think they showed just how physical and capable their defense is. Uh, And I think that's part of what really sets them up. I I don't know exactly how the season's going to go at this point. You know, I have to watch a little bit more. But at this point in the season, they look like a very strong defense that could cause a lot of teams some serious trouble and come out with, with – stack up quite a few Ws throughout the process of, of their Big Ten season, their Big Ten schedule.
1: Speaking of teams causing a lot of trouble, Stanford, which looked horrible in its first game, comes out and beats USC soundly, and
0: now USC – is looking for a head coach well i tell you speaking of, of of things that that uh have have become a theme this this early end of the season you know it was week one there was the announcement that yukon was no longer <laughs> randy etzel was no longer going to be the head coach at uh yukon and then now here we are week two and we are uh USC is, is having the exact same, one well, now we're done. Clay Helton, you're out. Um, there might be some hot seats for coaches that feel even hotter right now if this is going to be the trend throughout the season.
1: Yeah, and in, in all fairness, uh, there were rumors and rumblings about Clay Helton's job security before this season. And so I think this is a carryover from – how USC played last year. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, the, the powers that be decided to pull the plug this early. So who does USC turn to that? That's a program with a lot of history. It's probably a really, probably one of the better jobs available in college coaching. You have any names you think of people that they might reach out
0: to, you know, to me, part of the weird part of, um, the timing of this is and, and I, I think you're you're correct in that, you know, even before last season, there were rumblings about uh, the, the difficulties of, of of how things were going. People weren't uh, excited about the direction of the program. And then I think for the most part, everybody just kind of stepped away and said, OK, we're just not going to nobody's going to get fired during, you know, a covid year, basically. Uh, but when, when things started up this year, it was just like, okay, there is zero difference. You're you're out. So I understand kind of that thought process. And like you said, in fairness that it's it's been a buildup, but to me, the weird part of the timing of this is, I, I don't know what it does to potential candidates. Uh, you know, there was an immediate list that came out, uh, that, uh, some of it was tongue-in-cheek with, with names like Ir- Urban Meyer, but also I saw even like James Franklin at Penn State uh, was a name that that immediately came up. Uh, and it, I don't know that any of those make sense right now just because what what can be done. Um, it, you, you have any, uh, it, like you said, USC is such a strong tradition, but their last few hires have been really tough and haven't gone well. Is there any names you've heard already kind of thrown out there? The one name I've heard thrown out there
1: is Lane Kiffin. Wow. He has a history with USC. And uh, I'm hoping there's nothing to that because he's doing a great job with Ole Miss. I think he's good for the SEC. So I hope that that stays nothing more
0: than a rumor. That honestly would surprise me uh, just because of the way – things went down, you know, if, if I remember correctly, and, and correct me if I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, but if I remember correctly, when they decided to terminate him, he was literally walking to the team plane. The athletic director met him at the bottom of the steps uh, to get on the team plane and handed him a ticket and said, you won't be getting on this plane. I mean, he was literally terminated on the tarmac after a, a road game. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, that would just from uh, from his perspective, that would genuinely surprise me <laughs> if he if he he went that direction, like you said, I hope that's not the case, because I think uh, he is building something that is going to be uh, a, a great piece of, I guess, coaching legacy for lack of a better term for him at Ole Miss as of right now, it seems to be.
1: If anything came of it, it would be as crazy as a made-for-TV
0: movie. Well, and you know the one thing, Elaine Kiffin has changed a lot over the years. But he he has in the past he's had a little bit of a flair for that. So I guess who knows. But <laughs> but, I, but I'd be surprised. <laughs> well, let,
1: let's uh, let's get to your glorious moments. Have have we hit on any yet, or what were the glorious
0: moments for <sighs> to, you? To me, the the two. Most glorious moments I will just funnel completely into being singularly Vanderbilt fan moments. Uh, And one of them we'll talk about in a little bit. The other one is Vanderbilt went to Colorado State after an embarrassing loss to an FCS school in East Tennessee State and went on the road, went down 14 to nothing, and figured out a way to win. Uh, and what makes that uh, an absolutely glorious moment is it makes it gives you as a fan more confidence in the coaching staff, even though it was still ugly, still not saying they're going to be this amazing team this year. But in the past, that is something that a four or five win Vanderbilt team could not have figured out how to do. They would have slumped in to the 14 to nothing and ended up being beat 31 to nothing. So that that was an amazing moment, looking at it from a fan, seeing the things that the coaching staff is doing. I I think you can, even though it was a win against Colorado State, it was a road win overcoming getting down 14 to nothing, and I think that says some positive things about the the coaching staff and uh, the things, uh, Clark Lee, and the things that they are doing uh, to turn the program around and build a program basically from the ground up, from from absolute scratch zero, rebuild that program. So that was a big one for me. Okay. All right. Any others? Well, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get to some other things.
1: (laughs) Well, let's take a look at the week ahead. Um, Looking at some early games. Oh, what a traditionally great rivalry in the past. Nebraska-Oklahoma used to be one of the premier games every year.
0: And and Times have changed. Times have changed, and it was such a physical, fun game to watch. You know, a couple of decades ago, or even maybe a decade ago. (laughs) But uh, this is the – boy, this is nothing more than, than than Oklahoma gets to be the guys that are going to throw uh the next log on the fire that is under the hot seat of scott frost I, there's just nothing uh they're a oklahoma's a twenty three point favorite uh I just don't that's gonna be an ugly ugly game unfortunately <laughs> I think. <laughs> I don't see any positives for Nebraska coming out of that one. No question about it.
1: Oklahoma is by far the most talented team, top to bottom. Um, There is no comparison. No. But stranger things have happened. And this would be a win that would pretty much guarantee that Scott Frost keeps his job
0: it it definitely is this is this is one of those moments uh that would be the equivalent of if a, if an LSU coach was having a a horrible year but stumbled into an Alabama win mm-hmm. uh you know if if a Michigan coach is having an incredibly bad year but stumbles into uh, an Ohio State win you know there're just those certain games on everyone's schedule that if you pull that one off it backs everybody off of you a little bit cools the chair a little bit and, and i think you're you're, you're absolutely right that this is this is that game for nebraska if if he if he can win this one and pull off this upset as crazy as that sounds boy it is um, it, it it would help him in every way possible at least for this year for this season It's extremely unlikely
1: but that's why we play the game Oklahoma slugged it out with Tulane in week one last week they just annihilated Western Carolina 70 was it 76 to zero Uh, yes Um, can Nebraska make a game out of this and if they can if they can stay close um, watch out because a few a few breaks go their way and and you never know but certainly right now on paper uh, it's hard to to see Oklahoma losing
0: this but there's always a possibility very much so and like you said stay close you know somebody misses a punt uh a fumble uh you know throws a bad pass is intercepted take it the other way there's always something that's the beauty of the game yeah yeah definitely so so that's a,
1: an early game um another early game is um virginia tech is is uh, ranked 15th and they are going into morgantown to to play the mountaineers uh, we going to find out much about virginia tech in this game
0: I think we very much will uh, when you look at how this game uh, stacks up with it being in Morgantown and, and you look at the, the, the odds, Morgantown is, is, is basically a three point favorite or uh, West Virginia. is basically a three point favorite in Morgantown, which from an odds perspective, that basically, basically means it's a pick em game because your, your, your odds makers typically home game is a three point advantage advantage. Uh, from the get from the start, they, they started at, the, at that perspective. And I think if you look at what Virginia Tech has brought uh, to their games so far uh, this season, uh, you know, I know their last name was against, their last game was against Middle Tennessee uh, State MTSU, uh, but they still held strong, did the things they needed to do. Uh, they look like a very disciplined team They look like a team that's got a strong uh, attack uh, up front from an offensive and a defensive perspective. I, I think we're going to learn a lot about Virginia tech and we're going to see just exactly what West Virginia is made up to see if they can stand up to the the challenge uh, and the absolute fight that Virginia tech is going to bring to them.
1: Yeah. Uh, both of those schools have proud traditions. They have, very loyal fan bases but they struggle to to make the jump to to being considered one of the elite programs in the country and so there's a lot of pride we're going to see on display and um you know especially at night morgantown's a tough place to play but i don't know 11 in the morning those games are kind of
0: they just feel kind of strange um yeah, and I think you, I've heard players throughout the years uh, talk about that uh, in interviews and stuff. You know, you you get so you accustomed to you know six and seven and and even you know depending on where you're at eight o'clock kickoffs and and you have the entire day to ramp up, and if you have an eleven o'clock kickoff, especially if you're traveling, uh, you know if it's no if it's a road game, man, you are your day is ramping up you know at five or six in the morning it, it, you're taking off running and, and in the amount of time that you usually you know have had a couple of meetings milled around a little bit you know had a, had a you know pre-game your first of a couple pregame meals you know you're in the locker room getting dressed and getting ready to go out uh for your warm-ups and it, and it has an odd feel for the players it has an odd feel from a from a stadium perspective because you know, depending on where you are, sometimes stadiums fill up a little bit slower, and the and the games kind of sluggish for everybody starting out. So, but I, I still think because of the regional uh, importance of this game, and the fact that, as you said, both of these teams bring a lot of pride and push one another to be that one that takes that step and get that recognition. It's going to be a fun game to watch.
1: Yeah, and I said eleven o'clock. Of course, we're coming from a central time zone, so. For them, it will be high noon. Noon, with Gary Cooper.
0: But still, very early. <laughs> is there a Gary Cooper on either roster? We need to check that out, Darren. You know what? If there is, that might that might sway who you think wins it. Truthfully, so.
1: <laughs> okay, before we get to our pick'em games for the week, um, I want to talk a little bit about an intriguing matchup in in the afternoon between Purdue and Notre Dame. Uh, Purdue has started off two and zero. Uh, defeating Oregon State and then shellacking Connecticut, which everybody's doing this year. So can Purdue get over the hump with Notre Dame? Can, Can they keep the game close and possibly pull out a win in South Bend, or do you just see Notre Dame? Do you see the same old story that we see almost every year in this game?
0: You know, Purdue is a very intriguing team uh, this year. You know, Jeff Brom, uh, the head coach there, he's been there for a few years. He is very um, – he's not necessarily all about the the high-pace uh, high running gun. Uh, you don't necessarily think that immediately, you know, like an Oregon style or, or something like that. But he has a very innovative offensive mind uh, and really – uh, pushes uh, his, his offensive scheme to be um, to create mismatches. You'll see a lot of motions, a lot of shifts, uh, a, a lot of overloads. Um, he typically he's really a great uh, developer of quarterbacks uh, and typically has a quarterback that can, can identify coverage as well, uh, which uh, helps in, in, in that type of scheme of creating mismatches. I think this will I, I, I do think, Although Notre Dame hasn't given me as much confidence uh, this past week as they did the week before, I do think Notre Dame comes out on top of this. But I, I really do think Purdue brings a little bit more to the table than people t- typically anticipate from them, especially when playing Notre Dame. And I think this will be uh, this will be a good game. Uh, Notre Dame still comes out on top, but but I think it'll be a good game. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, definitely want to check out. Um, yeah. Another one that's not a part of our our pick-em games for this week, Uh, South Carolina, do they have
0: any chance at all against Georgia? Uh, (laughs) Kirk Curbstreet said on um, college game day uh, this past Saturday that the way Georgia's defense is playing, he really honestly believes they could go play most of the teams on their schedule this year with the punt team and the defense and still win. Uh, so I, I think that tells you everything you need to know about South Carolina's chances. I don't, you know, the the story of their quarterback and being a graduate assistant has been a great story, uh, but great stories do not score points uh, and get yardage against a defense like Georgia. I just, uh, I know it's been a, a fun uh ride on the beamer train these first two games but it just uh the the beamer train is about to lose its engine i do believe i think georgia is going to put some hurt on them in in some pretty significant ways through. i i think it's going to get ugly truthfully I, i'll be surprised if it doesn't
1: yeah i tend to agree as much as i love a cinderella story i just don't see any chance of it in this game no so how about um, you ready to move on to our Pick'em games for the week?
0: Absolutely. Hey. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Last week, uh, how'd you do, Darren? Well, I actually ended up going uh, six and four, which uh, I was the way I typically do in college Pick'em games. Not great, but you know what? I will uh, take it. It's better than I usually do. So uh, how about you,
1: I came in at seven and three, which nationally ranks me ninety thousand nine hundred and ninety-two.
0: Nice. <laughs> hey, I'm in, that's the, I, I'm in the top one hundred thousand, man. The top one hundred thousand. You're you're inside of six figures. That's got to be worth something, right? <laughs> uh, and we had some folks join us uh, and make picks this week which was awesome to see that, that we had uh, some folks jump in and, and want to be a, a part of it with us. And um, let's see, we had, you you ended up at seven and three being, being at the top of the list, but we had quite a few folks that ended up going uh, six and four or, or five and five, didn't we? I think so. Yeah. So that's uh, awesome to see. Uh, and we, would ask anyone and, and everyone uh, that's listening to jump in and be a part of it. Uh, we, um, you can, like Ben said last week, you can email us and ask for the link. We also put it out on social media and, and a few different places. Um, but it'll be fun to see how that develops throughout that. We're really excited to have the amount of people that we, uh, and, and I love some of the names, uh, paper anchors and winter, winter, chicken dinner. I don't know what all of those mean, but, those are super cool names. I wish I, I'm a little <laughs> disappointed in my choice of tough team names, to be honest with you. It made, me, made me feel a little shame in what I had chosen. So, <laughs>
1: Yeah, so anybody listening that did not do this with us, you are welcome to join. Um, go to our social media accounts. Um, on Twitter, uh, you can find Darren at Darren Shavers. Uh, my Twitter is bruce 71 uh, Look for that. We will share how you can – how you can be a part of the Pickums? It's totally free. It's fun. We'd love you to be a part of it. And uh, hey, if you wind up winning, we will we will recognize you in big time fashion. We will we will make an absolutely big deal out of it. So, speaking of the Pick'ems for this week, why don't we get into it? We've talked about a few of these games already. Uh, the first one on the list is Nebraska and OU. Uh, who you
0: got, Darren? I think that is like we discussed. That's just absolutely Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't see, don't see any way around that. It would be an incredible story if Nebraska does pull it off, but just, just don't see it happening. I am going with the Sooners as well, and
1: they will have to get plenty of water and rest for the horses on the Sooner <laughs> Schooner because they're going to be very active. Uh, that. <laughs> I hope for the horses it's not a hot day. I hope it's a little cool because they are going to get their work. I hope it's not like Western Carolina. I hope it's not, they don't put up 76 points.
0: <laughs> They'll have to trade out horses, bring
1: in a second team <laughs> or something. All right, going on to our next matchup, another early game. The seventh ranked Cincinnati Bearcats, led by coach Luke Fickle, goes into uh, Bloomington to play
0: the Hoosiers. Who you got? I have really uh, waffled on this one. There is just something about it that makes me want to go with Indiana in an upset, but I just, I feel like Cincinnati is strong enough that they're going to pull it out. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati on this one. Very dangerous game. I
1: agree with you. Indiana is more than capable of pulling off an upset. Look, I am a huge Luke Fickle fan. I love the job he's done at Cincinnati. He's turning a program that was basically irrelevant. Uh, They've had some good coaches come through, but none of them have done what Luke Fickle has done. We're talking, they're a top 10 team. Mm. And so I'm a big believer. I just can't see him not having his team prepared for the hostile environment at Indiana.
0: Agree completely.
1: Okay, our next game, another early game. Uh, How about Coastal Carolina and Buffalo?
0: I think this is a game that that Coastal Carolina just absolutely takes care of it. They're like a ten and a half point favorite, and they their offense is one of the most interesting offenses to watch right now. It's so schematically, you it almost seems scattered. Uh, because they will uh, run what almost looks like uh, an old school wing tee, uh, and, and and there are, I mean, it is completely and totally wing tee for a lot of the a lot of the time. Then all of a sudden, uh, they've thrown three passes in a row that all three of them have connected, and they've covered four, you know forty to fifty yards in three passes, and just look completely and totally wide open. So I, I, they are so hard to deal with. Um, I I think this is a game that they, with ease, uh, take a victory on.
1: Yeah, agreed. Buffalo has had some good teams in the past. Doesn't look that way this year. No. So we'll go with Coastal Carolina. Uh, Virginia Tech and West Virginia, who you got? I'm going Virginia Tech on this one. All right. Well, um, my wife is from West Virginia, (laughs) and, you know, She still gets a little misty-eyed when everyone starts singing Country Roads, Take Me Home. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm going to take a gamble here, and out of my love for my wife and her roots in West Virginia, I'm going to pick the Mountaineers. Okay. Interesting. Completely emotionally driven choice. Okay. But a very smart
0: choice, by the way. (laughs) All
1: right. How about Michigan State, Sparty, and the not-so-impressive Miami Hurricanes? Who you got?
0: Uh, They are not impressive at all, but they're still more impressive than Michigan State. (laughs) So, I'm going Miami. (laughs) All right.
1: You know what, Darren? I'm going to go to the other side. I'm going with the Spartans. Uh, That'll be interesting to watch because that'll be a great call if, if Michigan State pulls that one off. And one of the biggest games of the day, Alabama and Florida. Who
0: you got? I just don't know how you pick against Alabama. Uh, when you look at everything they're able to do uh, from every angle, both sides of the ball, how their quarterback looks, how their defensive backfield looks, even though they lost it, you know, that linebacker the first game, all of those things considered, you I have to go with Alabama, and then when you look at Florida and the fact that they've got the little bit of a quarterback controversy going, they're doing a rotation, and the old school saying is, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. I just don't – I I don't think Florida can bring anything to the table that will push Alabama to the point where that game's in question. It might stay close uh, and be a fun game to watch, or at least has been in the past, but I think uh, Alabama – easily pulls it out agreed going with Alabama how
1: about Utah and San Diego State
0: I think I'm still going to go uh uh, with Utah here I think they're a strong program uh and I I think they will they will uh, win it over San Diego State
1: agreed Auburn going into Happy Valley to play Penn State
0: okay this this is the uh, former Vanderbilt head coach bowl is what I prefer to call it because you have James Franklin at Penn state and Derek Mason is the defensive coordinator at Auburn. Uh, and I think this is a, honestly, I believe that Penn state will show some dominance in this game. I think we will learn even more about Penn state uh, than we do about Auburn. I, I think Penn state actually pulls this one off in a pretty big way. Truthfully.
1: I'm tempted to pick Auburn. But it's in Happy Valley. The atmosphere there is electric. James Franklin will have the Nittany Lions ready. I don't see an upset. I'm going to go with Penn State.
0: Moving on, Oklahoma State, Boise State. I think uh, Boise State is the choice here for me on this one. I think when you look at uh, Oklahoma State's year so far and Boise State with how they have performed, I I think Boise State makes this one happen.
1: Agreed. And the last one in our pick for this week. Arizona State and BYU.
0: It's not a much of an upset, but I'm going with an upset over the, on this one. I think BYU pulls this one out. I think they beat Arizona State in this one. I think they just they've got a strength they're going to bring to the table that Arizona State won't be able to match, and BYU will pull it out.
1: BYU looked good against uh, Utah. Um, can they do it against Arizona State? Um, I guess I'll go with BYU as well
0: okay all
1: right so those are our pickums remember watch on social media you can join us in this we'd love to have you be a part of it it's good fun you don't have to know a lot about football Uh, we're all just having fun so looking forward to another great weekend of football we have college we have nfl and before we go darren just i want to shout remind everybody on you know, on your Friday nights, go out and support a local high school football team. There's nothing, as much as I love college and the NFL, there's just nothing like Friday night lights on a high school football field. So uh, go out and support your local high, st- high school team and then enjoy all the games Saturday and Sunday.
0: I absolutely agree completely. You cannot beat a good live Friday night crowd. It's a great thing to go and do and enjoy. All right, well, that's
1: a wrap for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Darren, I'll be talking to you soon, and we'll talk to all of y'all. Remember, every Tuesday, 6 a.m., new episodes drop. Until we come back next week, enjoy football and take care. Enjoy.